This is the Cash Value Solutions Podcast, where your hosts, Jason Polmeyer and Kyle Mann, shed light on little-known money truths to help you take control of your financial future and become your own banker. Subscribe, rate, and review the show, and check us out at CashValueSolutions.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Cash Value Solutions Podcast this week. Kyle, what are we going to be talking about? What we're going to discuss is rate of return more impactful or is it about more about like the value that you can extract from what you're doing yeah we hear from people i i wouldn't say on a regular basis but you know this is the the topic that comes up more than anything so we're going to talk about it again but is rate of return what you need to be focusing on or is it about how much value you can extract from something Yeah. And I mean, just to cut to the chase, it's definitely the value that you can extract from something and also comparing that to the value that you had to put into it. Yeah. Comparing both sides and making a comparison to something else as well to even know. And I mean, when's the last time that anybody has ever talked to you? If you went to go to somebody that's going to sell you mutual funds or whatever, whatever else they want to sell you, when have they ever talked to you about value extraction? Like it's always about rate of return because rate of return is easy to talk about. It's a number that you can just say like, Hey, you're going to get 8% on this. Like that does not say anything about how much income you're going to get in the future from it. What, you know, what you can sell it for in the future. Because so when what you could be doing with those dollars right now yourself. Exactly. And so like, I feel like there's so much emphasis put on rate of return because it makes it so much easier for people to sell what they're selling if you're just focusing on rate of return. Because I can always say a bigger number than the last guy can yeah, by and, a little bit. And you don't have to be right either. I mean, you can say like, oh yeah, you're going to get these 12% mutual funds. Well, where are they? Well, you're not getting in trouble for saying that, so it doesn't really matter. Maybe you got the sale. Yeah. And this is something that people, I mean, they have to do their own research and see what they believe in, you know, and and get comfortable behind whatever it is they believe in and go down that route. But, um, one thing that, and and we're going to link to this, uh, blog post from, uh, the insurance pro blog, where we kind of got this idea to talk about this. Um, but we came up with the idea of, of value extraction and it's just like, you know, what what rate of return actually compares with whole life insurance? It's very it's, hard, it, almost impossible to put a number on that. It's hard to put it on a page. You know, we can calculate the internal rate of return on a life insurance policy. Absolutely. And you should, you know, be able to ask your agent for that if they if you want to see that. That that's fine. You know, this is your money that you're putting into this asset. Mm-hmm. It's fine for you to ask for something like that. Um, but the insurance pro blog, um, they were looking at, okay, you know, under today's current, you know, whole life policies, what they're producing, uh, what what type of income can this policy produce on a 40-year-old male um, paying $25,000 for 25 years? And then taking income from age 66 
to age 100. Mm-hmm. And they found that they could uh, pull out somewhere around $62,000, I think. Okay, that's that sounds good, but we don't have anything to compare it to yet, nope. right? And so they pulled up the Vanguard Retirement in- Income Calculator to have a comparison. And they... Uh, the Vanguard Retirement Income Calculator, you can put in how much money you're going to save, what your nest egg is right now, so you can make a you know similar comparison of paying $25,000 for 25 years and see what rate of return they estimate you would need to create the same amount of income that the whole life insurance policy produced. And they came up with about 9.1% for an average rate of return. And that is kind of shocking that because that sounds like a lot to me Mm -hmm. for an asset that is supposed to generate so much value, but yet you need that much return just to equal what the whole life policy is in this, in this scenario. And where do we ever see that? Like over an extended period of time of that high of an average rate of return in the stock market. Right. I mean, year to year, absolutely, you can do mm-hmm. much higher than that. But over a 30-year time period, or I guess this was 25, that's, that becomes a lot less likely to happen. Why is that? Because you are exposed to risk for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. Okay, you've, you've mitigated the risk of, of you know, losing money by staying consistently in the market but you are exposing yourself to more risk. So it's harder to achieve that high rate of return over a long period of time. Also, while giving up access to all that capital too. Yeah. That that's a one trick pony. You know, that's you put your money there and and save it. And it's an or asset and put it in perspective. I mean, you, uh, you're putting all that money away, but you're also spending your whole life in a job you hate but you got to put all that money away so then you can retire. But then you can't, you know, you want to start a business, you can't use that money because it's locked up in the stock market. And after you've been in this mindset for 10 years or 15 years, your sole focus is rate of return. You haven't learned how to use money and put it to work for you. So you're scared to even go out and take on this new business adventure because you're scared that you'll lose money. So it's, it's hurt your mindset in that min, um, aspect, mm-hmm. um, like Kyle said, it's it's in there. You aren't using it for anything else. So for me, if I had all my money tied up in the stock market this past year, I I mean, I could have taken a withdrawal, absolutely, to purchase the land that I purchased, but then I would have been giving up the growth or that I could have potentially earned on that money. Or if the market was down, I could have been in a situation where the market was down and I'm like, man, I really don't want to sell right now. Yeah. I mean, if it was one year sooner, that would have been the scenario. Yeah. Oh. And you just, you can't predict when these things are going to come in the future. Mm-hmm. So that's another um, level of value that goes to the insurance policy that you cannot measure with an exact number. Yeah. And And I think what, I know what Kyle and I are trying to get to here is you cannot solely focus on rate of return. No. I mean, just because a number is bigger than what a, a life insurance policy illustrates does not mean that you can extract more value from that asset. And that's, that is what is far more crucial 
than the rate of return. Mm-hmm. It just, you cannot spend a rate of return. Tell them about the uh, survivorship policy that you were telling me about. <laughs> so, um, I'm just, I was uh, messing around a couple nights ago, and uh, there's been some changes in the life insurance industry. So, I was just running some scenarios. So, in the future, Kyle and I can come back to these things and see, you know, how products compare and stuff. And, you know, what would have been if you started, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years ago or, or whenever it was. And so I ran a, a scenario where two 30-year-olds start putting away $100,000 a year, and they do that for uh, 41 years, so from age 30 till age 71. So they put away $4.1 million. And then I was like, man, I wonder how much income this could generate. And so I ran an income solve on that policy you could generate, based on what, what's happening today with current policies, um, and if dividend rates would never change, which that's unlikely to happen, I realize. So, but what is projected as of today is 744000 and change of income from age 72 to age 100. So $740,000 of income a year. For like 30 years from when from you paying in more than 30 or no. Yeah, you're right. About 30 years from you paying in a hundred thousand dollars for 40 years, 42 years, 41, whatever it was. Yeah. 41. That is what we're talking about. We're talking about value because not only the IRR <clears throat> never got above 5% on that policy, Kyle. Never. Yeah. So never IR, went above 5%. So most people would say, well, that's not that much, you know? Okay. But you're able to extract seven hundred and forty some thousand dollars tax free. Now think of it when you're if you're looking at the end of and the year. You can taxes. use every single penny of that and it, not pay any taxes. No on taxes it. due on that. That is absolutely insane. That is a check that I can hand to you right now. Well, I mean, obviously it'd be in the future, but you can take in the future and you can spend every last penny of it and you don't have a tax bill. To still worry. Think about. if you were withdrawing that from a four hundred one k, your tax bill would be absolutely ginormous. You'd be. It in would the, be over two hundred thousand. You'd be in the top tax probably. bracket. I mean, you'd be in one of the top tax brackets. Giving Uncle Sam your money, and the whole time during your lifetime, you subjected it to penalties, so you couldn't even use it. Yeah, so that's the other part. Okay, so now you have this awesome income you know, provider for you in later years. But then throughout your life, you're putting that hundred K in there every year, but then you're also still having access to it to do whatever you need to do. It's your personal line of credit that you set the terms as. The way I told this to Kyle was aside from everything that you were able to build outside of this policy, this policy itself generates over $740,000 of income. That's aside from everything else that you did while owning that policy and were able to use the money that was generated, you know, the cash value that was created from that policy. That is the policy alone. That has nothing to do with the land that you've bought in those 41 years. Yeah. That has nothing to do with, you know, the business that you've created if you've done that. If the rental properties that you have, it is just... 
That is value extraction. Well, I mean, yeah, you're putting in for around $4.1 million over that time period. And then you're extracting over 20 <laughs> over your life. <laughs> I mean, what else is going to do that for you? Providing, you know, the risk level of risk, which is no risk, the liquidity, the guarantees. Uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. That is it, what value is. And you cannot put a rate of return value on that properly. And aside from that, I didn't even mention this, uh, that policy would still pay you between a $1 million and $1.9 million death benefit, depending on when you passed away, if you reached age 100 and were not taking income from it any longer. Absolutely insane. Crazy. I mean, that's, that's something that should be talked about more. And how does all this tie into infinite banking or IBC or whatever? Well, you're able to do IBC throughout the whole time. I mean, we, we aren't just talking about putting away $100,000, forgetting it every yeah. year. That, that is not what Kyle and I have done with our policies. That's not what we tell anybody else to, to do. If you want to, that's fine. And but I, that's not how we recommend to do this. I know a lot, or some people say, like in the IBC world, that, you know, talking about these numbers, you know, it's, it's like, it's horrible. You shouldn't do it and stuff like that. But this, I mean, this is what it's all about. I mean, you should know that stuff like this is possible. And, I mean, it, sh- it should definitely pique your interest. And you should want to put every dollar that you can into these policies based on this. I mean... That's what I tell Kyle. Like, I don't need to worry about chasing rates of return. I need to worry about funneling as much money as I can through my IBC system, still having access to it. And when the time comes that I want to take income from it, there is going to be more there than I know what to do with if mm-hmm. I'm paying as much premium as I possibly can. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it just needs to be taken in perspective. I mean, we talk to people who are, you know, on the fence of IBC. They've heard about it, but man, they just can't get over the rate of return. Like, oh, can't you make more money in real estate? Can't you make more money in the market? Like, more money isn't, can't you get a higher rate of return? But does it matter when you look at it from this aspect? And I mean, it's pretty hard for us to be able to put what we're putting in front of you guys into a, you know, a two minute elevator conversation. Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't hardly even try to do that anymore. Yeah, it's impossible. And the next thing which we've been hammering on this whole time is we cannot tell you a rate of return that just depicts the value of this. I mean, you have got to spend some time thinking about this on your own, how it will fit into your life and, and start to assess those things. And I guess the other thing is we, that we didn't mention at all. I mean, there's also a value that goes to that death protection. I mean, if you would die early, I mean, your beneficiaries are going to get an insane amount of death benefit income tax free. Absolutely. Um, my mentor, I just, uh, read his December, uh, newsletter, newsletter that he puts out he had three clients that were 44 years and younger die. They were practicing IBC though, so there was a lot of death benefit there. You never was know. that the plan going in? Heck no. No. I have no idea when it's your time. So, there is tremendous value to protecting your loved ones and I'll let everybody just do this exercise on your own, but think about how many times that you scroll through social media and you see people starting GoFundMes because somebody in the family passed away and they need financial help. 
Oh, yeah. We've talked about this before. It I mean, happens every week on my feed. It seems, yeah. Don't be that person. And that doesn't mean you have to have whole life insurance and practice IBC. Oh, I mean, yeah, always have a plan because you just don't know. I mean, if you don't have any sort of plan, goals, anything like that, have a target. It just, in my life, when I haven't had targets or anything like that, I just, the needle did not get moved nearly as fast as it has when I've developed those targets. Time passes and you realize that you thought about it, but you didn't take any action to get towards it. And yeah. Yep. You think of something, some sort of idea. Oh yeah, I should do it. Then you don't. Then you see somebody else doing it and they made a bunch of money. I mean, that's just an action. Yeah. Without any, I mean, direction. Yep. You're, you're spot on. I mean, you got to actively think about where you're trying to go, how you're going to do it, what kind of tools, what kind of assets you need in your life to help you get there. And what a better tool than this for regardless of any business that you're in. Yeah, we work with farmers and ranchers because that's what we know. That's who we understand. But I don't know that there's one industry where this would not be smart or work for you, even as an employee too. I mean, we have people who are employees that don't own a business and makes tons of sense for them. Supplement their retirement account. These pensions that are probably going to fail, supplement that. Absolutely. So. I mean, just adding that certainty into your life. I mean, that that is value. Having some forced savings. I mean, we talk about, or we, Robert Kiyosaki talks about how savers are losers. Well, yeah, if you're saving it in a savings account, I mean, that's going backwards on you. But in these policies, we're getting so many levels of um, value from them that it makes all the sense in the world to put cash in them. Absolutely. It's, it's why I am, I am trying like crazy to put as much into mine. So. And well, you're doing that. And, um, you know, we know that there's flexibility in that, which allows us to pay these high premiums because we don't know that we'll be able to pay or fully fund these every single year. And it's great knowing that you have the flexibility where you absolutely don't have to for that year. Yeah, not being committed to 100K or whatever it is yeah. for your situation. On that, yeah, that's that's massive. On that 100K policy you were talking about, I think you said the minimum was around 44000 Yeah. That's a hell of a lot of flexibility. I mean, less than half on huge policy premium like that. Yep. So. <laughs> it's It's incredible. But then also these companies that we work with, they allow you to go backfill too so if the next year is better and you have the cash pay your full premium this year go back and get it filled up yeah i mean then you're paying you go from forty four thousand one year to almost a hundred and sixty thousand the next year mm-hmm. because you're backfilling that pua that you didn't put in the year before i mean there's value in the flexibility there's there's just i mean kyle and i really have not done this for a tremendous amount of time but you're just able to see more value all the time. It just, it just keeps appearing. Mm-hmm. I, it's not on that illustration, but the more time you spend thinking about it, the more value you see. Absolutely. So I, I just told Kyle um, when I came down to his place to podcast today, like, rate of return is just, it's just a number. It's not something that I'm worried about. It's all about how much value I can get out of something. The dollars, the actual dollars that I can use from something. And after being or having a really good year of business this year, like tax efficiency is like very, very high on my mind as well. Oh yeah. After you see how much that 
You might be paying in taxes. Yeah, it makes you. Self-employment tax alone being 15%. I mean, that that is unreal. That's a killer. So Plus your 12% that you're in. And that you're yeah, it tax. sounds like you're in a low tax <laughs> bracket. <laughs> yeah, when you add that, I mean, sh- there you are at 27%. Yeah, right off the bat. Yeah. So, yeah, it it's crazy. I mean, everybody has to come to these realizations on their own. I mean, Kyle and I did. Yeah. We just hope that, you know, since we've went through this, put all the time in figuring out the stuff that we can shorten your learning curve, shorten your curve, that you can get in it faster if you want to. Yeah. Just do something. Get started. Take action. Read a book. Go to a workshop. Go to something that teaches you how to create cash wealth flow. in your life. Yeah. Cash flow. I mean, I I keep bringing up Doug Doug Ferguson's class, but man, that was just so apparent. Like I've never thought about it, but like, what did college do to teach you how to make money? They teach you how to be a slave. Yeah, <laughs> they don't teach you this world of opportunity that is out there. No. They teach you you need to go work for somebody else, these big corporations, and make them money. Absolutely. <laughs> I I guess once you get a taste of business, um, it just it'll definitely change that perspective, and you'll think, "Gosh, why did I accumulate all that student debt?" <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I'm not saying that college doesn't ever have a place. It does, but it's a very small one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I think we've rambled on enough about value creation Kyle what do you think yeah so I hope you guys um, enjoyed this podcast and we'll be back next week with a new one All right, see you guys this was the cash value solutions podcast remember to subscribe rate and review the show check us out at cashvaluesolutions.com and don't forget to tune in next week